0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Years ago when I was in seminary, one of my field placements was at a large Presbyterian church in New Canaan, Connecticut. And so I would go usually early in the morning. I would teach Sunday school, help with worship, and then in the evening run a couple of youth group meetings. Well, one Sunday night, after a long day's activities, I was driving back to my apartment in New Haven. It was fairly late and I was more than a little tired. So I had the radio cranked up about as high as it could go to just keep from falling asleep. The announcer on the radio was playing this musical game with his audience. And even though by that time on Sunday night, I'm not much for games, Um, I found myself playing along. It was a mixer game in which the DJ would play two different instrumental melodies simultaneously, and we as listeners were supposed to sort out those two different melodies. I'm not the most musical person in the world, but I don't have a tin ear either, so I thought I will have no problem with this. And sure enough, with each pair of melodies, I could pick one of the tunes out almost instantly. But that was as far as I could get. No matter how many combinations he played, no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't hear that second melody. Finally, after he had repeated this scenario several times, the announcer came back on the air. He said, well I'm sure that many of you have had little trouble picking out the first melody but far fewer of you have been able to pick out the second. I felt affirmed and um, at the same time patronized, really simultaneously. He said, let me give you a clue. Most of you, once you know the first melody, you try to hear the second by blocking out the first, pretending as though it weren't there. You've heard how well that works, so now try this. With the next pair, once you've identified the first tune, instead of trying to block it out, stay with it. You might even hum along. If you do, there is a good chance that the second tune will reveal itself. sure enough, as soon as I stop trying to block out melody number one, That second tune broke right through. I share that story with you today because I think uh, around this time of the year, we often play a very similar game. Tis the season to be jolly, and at Christmas time we want to hear that joyous melody. Every commercial we see on television, every tune we hear on the radio, not to mention our own internal alarm clock keeps telling us that this above all times of the year, we have to be happy. And yet, on the other hand, somewhere in our unconsciousness, we know that there is another melody playing in our lives. Uh, A melody that is more melancholy and sad. And at this time of the year, it can feel almost like like a pile of mud that splashes up on freshly fallen white snow. COVID, the inability to get together with family and friends as we would like, financial worries. The hospital room, despite all the well-intentioned staff never seems more stark than it does at this time of year. The empty chair at the dining room table never feels more empty. Unresolved family tensions, uncertain plans for the future, all of this may be put on the back burner for a short time, but they are never too far from our experience in this season. At Christmas, we want so desperately to hear that joyous melody. Not just to hear it, but to feel it. But as the announcer explained, the more we try to block out those other tunes, the less likely we are to recognize the joyous melody that wants to break into our lives. So often, we criticize the world for trivializing Christmas by making it so commercial. And of course, it's a legitimate criticism. But the church and all of us must share that guilt whenever we trivialize Christmas by making it nothing more than a sentimental story, a warm feeling that glows inside of us like the flame of a candle, but is just as quickly blown out. For the Christmas story, Is beautiful. We should allow ourselves to get caught up in all of the magic and the mystery of angels and shepherds and wise men. But it is also the story of a world that was filled with fear and sadness and uncertainty and how the love of God became alive right in the midst of all of that. I mean, just think about it our travel plans uh, may be changed for this year. But can you imagine having to travel not by plane or by train, but by foot or on the back of a donkey all the way back to your home of origin to be counted in a census, to have to pay taxes, to be enrolled in the military? I mean, how do you think Joseph, blue collar carpenter Joseph, how do you think he felt? about this time in the story, knowing that all of his blueprints for the future, the hopes and dreams of all the years, had been blown up, blown away by this child who was born, who was not his. You think your stepfamily has issues? Or what about Mary? Would you be jolly if you had to take a treacherous journey on a donkey? only to find yourself giving birth in a faraway town, far away from your family, in a filthy, unprepared animal shelter? Mary, do you have a Beaumont doctor? When you stop and think that this was not just an ordinary baby, this was the son of God, the implications are staggering, really. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, I'm not advocating that all the warmth and the joy be taken out of Christmas. Deep down, I'm as sentimental and as mushy as, well, at least many of you. But if Christmas is only about the sentiment and the merriment, if it's really just an escape from the real world, then certainly we are missing the most important part of the story. Comfort, comfort ye my people, says your God. You know, Isaiah wrote those words in the 6th century B.C. to a people who were living in exile in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, we lay down and wept, says the psalmist. People who had lost their jobs, their homes had been foreclosed. Their temple was not only empty, it was destroyed. They were cut off from their loved ones. In the wilderness, prepare the way. In the wilderness of your life. Not the places where you are secure, but the places where you are afraid, where you are confused and uncertain. The places where you feel out of control or disappointed, where you feel guilty and in need of forgiveness. In the wilderness, prepare the way. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. You know that if you look at a topographical map of the Middle East, in the journey from what was Babylon to Israel, there are no major mountain ranges. There are no grand canyons, which is to say that the real obstacles are not geographical they're spiritual. In the valleys, the places where you feel empty and alone, in the depression that keeps you from feeling fully alive, in the despair that makes the future look like a dark black hole. In the valley of the shadow of death, prepare. And on the mountaintops, those seemingly insurmountable walls, all the grudges and the grievances that we have built between ourselves and others, between Jew and Muslim, between Republican and Democrat, the real mountains and the molehills that we make into such prepare. And did you notice? This is not a suggestion. It's a promise. The prophecy is not in the conditional tense. It's not, if you get ready, the Lord might come. But the Lord is coming, so pack your bags and get ready. It's in the imperative. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul, in words that we more often associate with Easter than Christmas, the Apostle Paul writes, I have become convinced that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because Paul knew that it is not only life's ultimate challenge, death, But also, all of the suffering and the loss and the grief along the way that threatens to cut us off from God's love. Paul knew that if Easter is God's answer to death, then Christmas is God's answer to life. He knew that if the Christmas story is going to be really good news for people, it would have to be more than just a sentimental story, something that we pull out once a year and then just as quickly pack away with all of the other decorations. It would have to be a real story about real life. And the good news is that no matter how we are feeling, God is breaking into our lives. Emmanuel, not where we are strong, but where we are weak. Not because we love him or even believe in him, but because he loves and believes in us that much. Not because we are feeling joyful or Christmassy, but because he wants to be with us precisely where we are hurting because those who don't need to be saved have no need of a savior. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, for the promise is sure and spoken with words that every Motowner should understand. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. Merry Christmas. Amen.